My dear brothers and sisters, today is the second Sunday of Lent. We are in this period of prayer and sacrifice and almsgiving, fasting, preparation for the sacrifice that Christ is going to make for us on the cross so that he can give us new life, rising from the dead. I think it's interesting that the church chooses this reading today, the second Sunday of Lent, a feast that we ordinarily celebrate in August, the transfiguration of our Lord. We see Jesus in his glory. Why does the church put this reading for us today? Just recently, Jesus has told his disciples, the Son of Man will be handed over. He will suffer. He will be scourged. He will be crucified. He will die. But on the third day, he will rise again. That's not a very pleasant message to hear from his disciples who find in him the Messiah, the chosen one, the one that's sent. He's going to die? That can't be. He's got to lead us into victory. And so, just a few days after this, Jesus leads Peter, James, and John up the mountain of Mount Tabor to be transfigured, to show them his glory, to allow his divinity to be seen in his humanity for them. And he does it so that they will not be discouraged, not lose hope, not despair, not allow the suffering that he's going to go through to make them lose faith and turn away and think that all is lost. Even after the resurrection, we'll see the two on the road to Emmaus. We hoped that he was the one. They were discouraged. They had not seen the transfiguration. Even Peter, James, and John were locked up in the upper room wondering, still confused as to what would happen. But Jesus gave them this foresight, this vision into what was to come, so that as they went through the cross with him, the suffering, the pain, the tribulation, they would not lose faith. I think it's very appropriate for us today to understand this message. Because look at the world, and look at the unjust war that's being waged in, in Ukraine. It's evil. Going in to kill innocent people, just to take land and, and this, this desire for mankind to have more and not be happy with what you've got. Look at the evil in our own society, in our own country. The immorality, the plague of abortion that's been around for years now, destroying our nation. The discrimination and the hatred there is amongst peoples. So many different things that can get us discouraged. Make us want to throw in the towel. Make us even at times want to blame God. Where are you, God? Why are you allowing all this to happen? You know, make us lose faith in him. And yet, all the evil that's in the world is not God's doing. It's ours. Tempted by the evil one, tempted by the allurements of the world, tempted by our own selfishness, we turn away from God to our own sinfulness. As the second reading said, those who reject our enemies of the cross of Christ, their end is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is their shame. You know, Adam and Eve felt shame when they realized they were naked. Therefore, the shame that it refers to here is our tendency to avarice and to lust and to pride and to selfishness and to gluttony and all the things that we choose over God. No, 
because we are enemies of the cross of Christ. Jesus here is being transfigured to show them, do not be afraid of the cross, of the suffering, of the tribulation, of the difficulties, because he's giving them a share of a vision of his glory. But he's doing it in his humanity. In other words, your humanity is meant to share in my divinity. That's why I took your humanity upon myself, and I'm showing you what I want to give you, a share in my divinity. I want to raise your humanity up to the glory of heaven. The reason you were created in the first place. God created us to give us a share in his divine life. Sin is where death came into the world. Because we sinned, we lost divine life. And God promised, I'll send a savior to give you back what, and restore what was lost. That's why in this reading it struck me one word that I hadn't really, I've heard this reading a hundred times, thousand times over the years. And it never struck me, this one word here. You know, Jesus takes them up Mount Tabor. I don't know if you know it. If you've ever been to the Holy Land, you probably do. Mount Tabor is a very high hill uh, that once was the place of a pagan temple. The pagans worshipped their gods there. In the time of Jesus, that temple had been destroyed. And... When he went up the mountain, but there were still remains of the rocks of that old pagan temple. And it's there that Jesus is transfigured with Moses and Elijah, the law and the prophets being summed up, that he's the one that they were talking about, and he's coming. And Jesus is transfigured there because it's not just for the Jews, it's for the pagans too. It's for all humanity to come to him, to find in him that he has come to give us back what was lost. And it says when he was talking to Moses and Elijah who appeared in glory and spoke, and here's the word, of his exodus. His exodus. That never struck me before. They were speaking of his exodus. If you think of exodus, exodus is when Moses, you know the second book of the Bible? Moses leads the Israelite people out of Egypt. They're in slavery and he goes and leads them out to the promised land. He takes them away from their slavery and gives them the freedom to be, enter into the promised land. What is the exodus of Jesus? Well, it's when he comes to take upon himself our sinfulness to free us from the slavery of sin and lead us back to divine life, which is what was meant for us in the first place. To give us the freedom of being again sons and daughters of God. To take us away from the sinfulness and back to grace. The exodus of Jesus is for our good to come away from that slavery and to live a new life as sons and daughters of God. To rejoice once again in our share in his divinity, in the promise of immortality, in the grace of eternity, which is meant for all of us to share. And that's why I think it's important to hear this last phrase of today's responsorial psalm. And actually, before I say that, let's go to the first reading. Abraham had faith in God, and it was credited to him as an act of righteousness. But then God's going to make a pact with him, and this just struck me right now as we were hearing it. As the sun was about to set, a trance fell upon Abraham, and a deep, terrifying darkness enveloped him. Here you have having faith in God, and, and, and now I'm immersed in this deep, terrifying darkness. 
Don't we feel that way sometimes in this world today? In the evil that's around us and the hatred that there is? It's always going to be there. That darkness of sinfulness because of the fallen state of of mankind. But the victory of Christ overcomes the darkness with his light. And that's why God passes through as a flaming, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch, enlightening the darkness of Abraham in order to make a pact with him, a covenant with him. And now, at the end of the psalm, where it said, The Lord is my light and my salvation, it says these words Wait for the Lord with courage, be stout hearted, and wait for the Lord. Don't get discouraged in the tribulation, don't get discouraged because of the evil that there is in the world, don't despair because of your own weakness and your own problems that you go through in your life. We all do. Don't allow the devil to get you down and kick you while you're there. Don't be negative. Recognize that I am your God. Have faith in me. Trust in me. I am your light and your salvation. Wait for me with courage. Be stout-hearted and wait for the Lord. We can't throw in the towel. You know, all the evil that's in the world, as I said, is not God's doing. It's ours. All the good that there is in the world is God's doing. Everything good is a gift from God. God created everything and saw that it was good. And he wanted us to share in his goodness. But he gave us freedom. So we are responsible for how we use the gifts that God has given us. He gave us the freedom to say yes to him or to say no. Adam and Eve chose themselves. They said no, and that's how sin came into the world. That's the story of creation. That God wanted to share his love and his life, but he couldn't force it upon us. If it's real love, it has to be given freely. So he gives it freely and waits for our free response of love to him. We can't blame God for the bad things in the world. We need to blame ourselves because everything he did was good. Even to the point of when we blew it, he sent his son to give us the maximum sign of goodness by taking upon himself our punishment so that we could receive once again a share in his divine life. That's why Jesus said only God is good. Because through his love, he is redeeming us and giving us the salvation we long for and we need. And yet we still sin. I still sin. You still sin. We all sin. Why? Why do we keep freely turning our backs on God instead of freely responding to him with a yes of fidelity and of love? Saying yes to God. He will not force you to love him back. That would not be love. That's why he gives you the choice. Here it is. I'm giving you all you need. What more can I do for you, my people, the scripture says. It's all right here. I'm going to send my son who's going to die in your place so that you can be saved. What more do you want me to do? Here it is, but it's up to you. You can say yes, or you can say no. You can choose your shame, your vices, your lust, your anger, your gluttony, your pride, your laziness. The seven capital sins that are there to haunt us all the time. You can choose that or you can choose me. 
For you, it's impossible, but for me, it's possible. I can give you everything you need, and I'm giving you everything you need. All I want from you is your obedience, your yes, your yes, Lord, here I am. Forgive me my sins. Help me to live according to your will in your grace. To take advantage of the gift of your exodus, that you are leading me out of the slavery of sin and in to the promised land of new life. The resurrection that God wants for all of us to share in. I think this is an important message for us today, in this century, in this world, in this moment, to understand. Does the suffering, the evil, and everything else in the world, the cross, the tribulation, lead me to despair, even to blame God, or to turn away from him? Or like Abraham, am I willing in the midst of it all to have faith in him? Like the psalmist, am I willing to wait for the Lord with courage, be stout-hearted, and wait for the Lord? After Peter and James and John saw this, they said, oh, this is great. This is what we want. Let's stay here. Forget the suffering. Let's just stay right here. Three-tenths. We'll stay here forever. But that's not the way of the Lord. No. He has to fulfill the will of the Father. And so... When the cloud passes, it says, and they saw Jesus alone. Listen to him, the Father said. Find in him your strength. Know that the world is in his hands. Thanks be to God, it's not in our politicians' hands. You know? <laughs> Thanks be to God. I mean, they make a lot of blundering mistakes, our governments and the world today. There's a lot of things to be mad about. But that's not reason for us to lose faith in God. Never. The world is in his hands. And he wants us to remain faithful, with courage, stout-hearted, wait for the Lord. Know that he has the victory already. And he wants us to share in it by living our lives in a way that is pleasing to him, that is for the glory of the Father, that is for the good of one another. Instead of taking land from each other, if we lived as sons and daughters of God, we'd be giving it to each other. Instead of fighting with each other, at home, at work, in society, and in the world, we'd be looking out for each other's good if we do it God's way. The problems in this world are not his doing, they're ours. And so they have to be also a part of us making up for it by doing what is right and good before God knowing that it's in his hands and we believe in him. Lord, I cannot do this without you. Give me the grace to trust in you, to believe in you, and to be faithful to your will. Let's ask God to give us all that grace so that we can make this world a better place, starting right here. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.